Headed down to the coast. Riding shotgun in the Jeep. There's a bubble in my belly, and I hope it's really smelly. I can feel it start to creep. So I leaned to my right, cause my cheeks were kinda tight. As I push a little bit, I think like lit. I thought I farted, but I shit. I thought I farted, but I shit. And now it's squishy when I sit. I got poop all in my crack and a little on my sack. I thought I farted, but I shit. Damn, I hate it when I shart. I can't even trust the fart. Tried to give a little too. Now there's caca in my shoot. I thought I farted, but I shit. I thought I farted, but I shit. And now it's squishy when I sit. Yeah, I got poop all in my crack and a little on my sack. I thought I farted, but I shit. Yeah, I got poop all in my crack and a little on my sack. I thought I farted, but I shit. And that was I Thought I Farted, But I Shit from the drunk guy on Facebook. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is keith foster from tonight in san diego he does stand up in san diego he does improv he's an improv teacher he's a writer he's a podcaster and uh he's a really nice guy and we had a great conversation that will be coming up shortly i just wanted to give everybody a little uh update on the south by southwest show that skanks roots project is doing we are playing march 13th um, 2018 at the Flamingo Cantina. And there's a couple acts that I actually want to check out. I was checking out this terrible, terribly designed app that they have going on here. Um, but, uh, well, there's not a lot of updates on it yet. So I'm really interested in the comedy festival. Hence, we have a stand-up comedian as a guest today. So I'm a big fan of comedy, but too much of a pussy to actually pursue it. And I don't think I'm that funny. I don't think I'd be that funny on stage. I think I would just be, like, awkward and sweaty. Anyways, uh, but their app is not at all updated, so it's kind of a bummer. But um, I'm looking forward to it. There's a couple acts I want to see. I've been going through my app and uh, starring all the acts that I want to see because you can like start a little profile. And since I'm a performer and an artist performing there, I get like a special account and I can link my badge to it and it'll like tell me where all the cool things that only I get to go to. I was looking online and they're like $1,600 for these fucking badges or something crazy. It's insane for these all-access badges, and um, I'm sure they, I'm sure tons of people are buying them. And there's so many artists that are good that are playing there this year. I'm trying to find my favorites here. Oh, here we go. So I got two so far: Ezra Collective and Zara McFarland. And there was another one. I did another one. Oh, Brianna Barbara, awesome. She's like. She's like a bluesy Americana, but like psychedelic, and she's she's pretty. That helps. Tank and the Bangas, Bangas, those are the guys who won last year's Tiny Desk um, 
concert thing that NPR does. So I got those guys marked and I am going to check these guys out. I'm going to be there for the full week, I think, hopefully, and me and the family are going and, um, it's going to be fun. We're going to go see some family in San Antonio, which is about 45 minutes outside of, um, of um austin and uh, you know i'm just looking forward to getting out of the fucking winter because right now the snow has a sheet of ice over it like it's it's snow and then there's a sheet of fucking ice just gleaming and gleaming in the sunlight and it, it, i mean it's pretty yeah but once that shit melts it's just flat barren land of Ohio, <clears throat> but it's all good. I'm, I'm feeling better about Ohio, and I'm feeling good about this this road trip we're going to take. We're going to drive down there, and uh, we're going to have a good-ass time. <clears throat> As you can tell, I'm still suffering from some shit from Christmas, from the flu, and now my throat is sore. It's just sore. I don't know. It's just sore, and sometimes I feel kind of like nasty and clammy and ugh. Anyways, um, yeah, everybody wants to know that I'm fucking feeling nasty and clammy. Anyways, y'all can write the show at wespeakenglishgood at gmail.com. Uh, if you guys have an idea of like music that you want to hear, because I've been doing those music podcasts and they've been doing pretty well. Um, and, and my last one hasn't gotten pulled off SoundCloud yet, so yay! Um, no copyright infringement here or something like that or some shit. Fucking Kanye West. Jesus walks with me. Get my shit pulled. And I got a strike one. Those assholes at SoundCloud said I have a strike one against me. This is my first strike. So then they said go through all your podcasts and make sure that there's no copyrighted material on it. And I'm like, how the fuck do these music podcasts get cleared for all these other uh, anyways i'm not gonna go over that again you can check out the barren wasteland that is the we speak english good.net y'all can leave a review on itunes stitcher wherever you get your podcast and such so without any more blathering on let's jump over to keith foster which this was a sunday morning for me or no for him it was a sunday afternoon for me here in ohio and in san diego it was like 10 a.m for him so it was nothing too early nothing too late it was a casual just a casual chat just two dudes chatting over skype so uh let's get into it keith foster Keith, thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, just so people kind of get an idea who who you are, can you kind of go through your um, like what you do, like you know, as in in the comedy world, and just yeah. just an overview of what what you do as a performer and all that good sure, stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Have Have we started? Is this? Yeah, we're is in. This it? We're in it. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I I'm a <clears throat> oh excuse me. It's all good. Uh, I'm a comedian. Um, my background is originally in improv comedy. I've been doing um, improv comedy for 
more than a decade now. Uh, I do stand up to um, sketch, whatever. I whatever's funny, I'll do it. Um, he, I moved to San Diego in in 2015. Um, I started working with a, a late night talk show tonight in San Diego. Um, I I'm now the the one of the head writers and the the co-host of the show. So um, that takes up a lot of my comedy time right now. Um, but yeah, I just what whatever sort of thing I can do, I'll, I'll do it. Lately, I've been doing a lot of uh, podcasts. So yeah, I see. I see you're posting stuff left and right now. Do you have your own podcast? I wasn't sure if you had your own podcast or if you are just like a frequent guest on other people's podcasts. How does that work? Yeah, so right now I'm co-hosting a. It's a movie review podcast oh, called okay. The Jabber and the Drone. Okay. Um, and so we review uh, a movie that's in theaters every week, and then we also review. Uh, we assign each other Netflix homework, um, so stuff that the other person has never seen, and it's available on Netflix. Um, yeah, and then you know just kind of shoot the shit about that. So what what was the last uh, movie you guys saw in the theater that you guys reviewed? The la- we just saw The Post with uh, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Oh, okay. Uh, right now we're kind of going over a lot of the, the Oscar-nominated stuff gotcha. um, to prep for the Oscars. Sweet. What what did you guys think of the post? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I, I think it's... I don't know. I think it's it's not as good as... Hollywood wants us to think it is like <laughs> they're sort of forcing the prestige on us because of the whole free speech uh, issue at the center of it, which, you know, freedom of the press. I, I get I get the um, the reason behind it, but the movie itself is it's fine. <laughs> it's just OK. What? Yeah. What, what was sort of like the message behind it? Like, I'm not sure. I'm not I, I'm, I haven't heard of the movie like movies come and go, you know, like now that we're so flooded yeah. and inundated with all this media. It's like, I, oh, yeah, I don't it's even know. What's go- yeah, I, I don't I can't <laughs> even keep up. I, I don't even see uh, trailers anymore. I just I don't I don't know. So what what's sort of like the movie overview? So it's it's about um in the uh during the Nixon administration these papers came out um which proved that uh the United States government knew that uh Vietnam was a losing war like oh. there was no way they were going to win it and they knew this for uh multiple administrations uh, of uh the presidency mm. and so the New York Times gets these papers and they decide to publish uh, and Nixon sues them. So the Washington Post also gets these papers and the movie's sort of about whether or not they're going to publish uh, because they're a much smaller paper than the New York Times at the time. Uh, so, you know, if, if they publish and get sued, it could destroy their paper. Um, and so it's a big, the big message is um, how the press belongs to the people and not the government. Right. Uh, and, and there's, I, I mean, the movie hits you over the head with uh, the allegories to Trump and, and his mm. you know, war on fake news. <laughs> it, it's so timely that it's, 
that's sort of the strength and one of the big weaknesses of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, like um, Hollywood can be a, like so liberal; it can almost come off preachy and like maybe even alienate yeah. a certain crowd or even alienate a certain part. Because I'm super liberal, dude. But like sometimes you get like these movies that have. Um, I don't know, like like when they have like a really sad slave movie, you know, it's like okay, <laughs> yeah. I get it, I get it, but like sometimes it just comes off so thick, you're just like, ugh, like, uh. and I'm not trying to denigrate anything about slavery no, no, or no, the no, black yeah. people's plight, but it's still like it, it comes off just sort of, I don't know what well, is it, that? and that same message can be achieved in in different ways uh and yeah I, again that's sort of the problem with this one is it 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 just has this air of, of uh this is really important about it <laughs> yeah, yeah so much so that it, it kind of gets away from okay but is this a good movie right. and I, I mean ultimately i you know we decided it's fine like it's worth seeing <laughs> uh-huh. um it's just last year was such a good year for movies oh yeah that that it's pretty, and this one came out so late that it's pretty obvious that it's getting all the acclaim because of the political message. Right. And it's like, well, okay, maybe let's pay attention to some of the other movies that were a little actually better. So, such as? Um, whew. yeah, well, you know, it's. Okay, I say that, but then a lot of the movies I like actually got nominated for awards this year. Oh, right on. Uh, the, Get Out was my favorite movie from last oh, year. Oh, yeah, 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 the Jordan Peele movie. Yeah, so good. That movie was really good, and, and like it had that message, but it didn't come off like super like shove it down your throat. No, and it was it was entertaining, and it was funny, yeah, and scary. Right, yeah. Yeah, so that I think that's a good uh, contrast. A, a movie that definitely has a political mm-hmm. message, uh, but doesn't get so hung up on it that you're taken out of the movie. Right. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. It, it like <laughs> sometimes when these like it, like I. It's funny. It's like when white people are like behind the movie and they're really trying to push these like like race agendas. I feel, uh-huh. I, and it's not that white people can't do movies like that, but it's like it can it comes off like here's my agenda and like here's like what you need to take from this and I don't know yeah it, it, like we're talking well, about and, it just gets a little ugh, like and ugh. I think the problem comes from you know those aren't really our stories to tell right. we we have plenty of stories that do belong to us uh, so so why. Why is it that you know white men so often end up being the the sort of focal point or the storytellers? Uh, and and you know we are seeing that change. There is a bit of a sea change going on right now, um, and you know people uh, like it. It's it's very exciting. Um, it's you know it is exciting when uh, it's exciting and depressing when. You know, a woman and a black man are nominated for best director, and it's like a historical event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like this should have been just—it should have just been this way the whole time, not just. Yeah, like, and and I think you know, s- establishing that as the new norm is is cool, and it is right. important. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, and I I also see it go the other way too, where I think people 
you know, on Twitter and stuff, uh, overly freak out about it as well. And it's like, okay, you know, that's cool too. Like, let's just, it doesn't have to, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> that's okay. I I get it though. I get it. It's like, um, uh, we're, I mean, like culturally and, and like in art reflects culture. And like right now people, uh, like people are taking their culture, like black people are, are owning their culture and like kind of putting out the art that they want to put out and it's mm-hmm. being culturally accepted and, and like women are able to do it too. And, and even with this, like me too, and, the uh, uh, time's up stuff that it, it's all just. We're, we're we're expanding we're we're um our 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 psyche our consciousness um mm. of uh of acceptance and tolerance which tolerance is such a like a shitty <laughs> word for anything but but you know it, yeah. it's expanding and and and, 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 well, and, and, and art's reflecting impo- that yeah and i i think the important thing too is you know like let's accept this expansion let's celebrate it without becoming radicalized <laughs> yeah and, and that's i think kind of the the current challenge is you know how do you celebrate it without like losing your mind <laughs> right <laughs> you know? right and then when you're talking about people on twitter they're just like so extreme about it it's like no you can't do it's where like um... oh man twitter <laughs> has become such a garbage cesspool app i i I still use it because I, you know, I think self promotion is mm. important and valuable. And you know, I, when I go on there, I, I mostly just want to read jokes or tell jokes. And and I understand why people think they can't just do that right now. But at the same time, I'm like, I just, I just don't want to hear it. You know, like, can't we just? still have fun sometimes right, right. yeah people want to like uh police your your thoughts and words and stuff there's like you can't do that you can't do that it's like well i can make a joke i can you know and like if, if it's not if it, the joke isn't funny it's not funny but yeah you know, it, it, but like if you're making a poignant joke and s- people are just like waiting just waiting, like by their computers or phones, just waiting to find something they can complain about or, or raise a fuss about. Oh yeah, I mean the new, the new art form right now is uh, is apologies. <laughs> <laughs> people, you know, people criticize apologies online, and they're like, "Well, he he didn't say this, or he did say this," and yeah. And again, I get it. I get why it's important, but. We just are scrutinizing every little detail right now, and it's like it's exhausting. It is exhausting, but I, but also it, it's um it's probably it's probably essential also to the expansion and the awakening of you know of people's yes, accepting. Yeah. I, I, it's probably essential that there's these assholes out there just waiting to be offended. These professional people, these professional offended people um <laughs> they're just they could fuck if they could get paid for it they would be rich but yeah i, I mean but it, you know it's it, it's it's a necessary evil that comes with it that that it's people true. are going to be it's out true. there and it, is, it is part of the growing pains of uh you know i just hope uh that society and culture survives long enough for it to make a difference <laughs> Because it is bleak right now. It is so bleak. It's just like the weirdest time to be a part of, but it's like also exciting. And it's like that like shitty part of like 
of me loves to see these news feeds of like what Trump did today, even though it's awful. And like, you know, maybe we're on the verge of some terrible war that we shouldn't even be a part of. It's still like, oh, you just are excited about it. It's like, oh, my God, what did this asshole do today? It's terrible. It's terrible. It it is. It is an exciting time. And if we survive, uh, I think it's going to be a really important time in history. And it is kind of cool to, you know, to live through that uh, aside from all the terror. Yeah, right. (laughs) The the constant existential dread of the nightmare existence we find ourselves in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I think people are definitely going to look back on this time and, and you know, history is being written right now. So that is cool. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting. It's just a matter of if we make it or not. Right. Right. We'll see if we can pull through. It's been funny cause I've been just reading nothing but like apocalyptic books. I don't know why, <laughs> but I'm just like on this kick. I've been just reading. Um, I read this, uh, I, well, zombie. I love zombie stuff. Uh, like, you know, Walking Dead. So, like, I read, like, Kurt, Kurt, whatever his name is. I forgot his name. The creator of The Walking Dead made this whole yeah, series uh, of novels. Yeah, uh, Kirk. Yeah. Whatever his name is. <laughs> God, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, but he made this whole series of novels. Um, I don't know. You're a fan of The Walking Dead, right? I think, you, I think I've seen you post, like, comics or something. Yeah, so I... Uh... Yeah, I, I have a complicated relationship with The Walking Dead. I I, I love the comic book. Oh, they're um, awesome. Yeah, the show I tuned out after season three. Oh, three um, so early. I, I oh, man, I just I couldn't do it anymore. Couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I I understand, man. I I know a lot of people were the same way. Or just like, man, I can't. Like, like um, just these last couple seasons for me have just been like. Oh my god! And, and like, what sucks is that I'm the type of person who has to like finish it because I no, I'm I so it. invested in the fucking thing. Now I'm just yeah. like, I gotta see how this stupid show ends. And <laughs> and yeah, you're right. You're right. Like the show is so watered down, and it's so, and and it's I, it's different, but it's it's fine to be different because you don't want to follow the same you know yeah, storylines yeah. and stuff but it, it's just oh it's just gets well see that's my problem is it, it tries to toe this line of being different but still like they still take stuff from the book sometimes right. it's, it's like okay I, like if you're gonna if you're gonna be different be different if you're gonna stick to the book stick to the books it, it, to me it's it kind of is a little weird that it 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 tries to go back and forth, and I'm like, well, that doesn't really work for me. Either either do it or don't, right. you know? <laughs> Robert Kirkman. God damn it. There yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but, Kirk? Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and it, here's the thing is I don't like it, but I, I also I don't prescribe to, like, hater culture. Like, uh, I feel you. you know, people want to enjoy it. They enjoy it. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, same. I think people... Uh, again, with the overly sensitiveness, I think people invest too much time and energy in what other people think about stuff. Right. Uh, like, you know, criticizing movies and, and stuff. At the end of the day, you know, there's an audience for whatever you're going to find. Uh, if it's out there, it has some kind of an audience. Otherwise, it wouldn't be able to sustain itself. And if that audience enjoys it, why not 
let them enjoy it. That's fine. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like do your own thing as long as you're not hurting other people. You know, it's like why not? Yeah. enjoy. And, and if people want to like listen to our show or read Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, and and that's going to influence their decision on whether or not they think they're going to enjoy it. That's cool too. Like right. that's you know that. But, you know, there's some stuff out there that the people already have their mind made up on before it even came has come out like Black Panther. Mm. Y- you know, uh, it looks incredible. I'm yeah. sure it's going to be great. And it already has an audience and a following, regardless of if the movie's any good or not. And and I think it will be like it looks pretty good to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, there's there's already a want for this black superhero, uh, you know, and, and cool. Like it's, it's sort of critic proof. Right. It can, yeah. 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 I get what you're saying. Yeah. That's the, it's the right time for this movie to kind of be released out into the world. Um, so, well, what, I think it's the right time for anything. anything right. Right. I'm saying, but I'm saying just on the trajectory of where we're going as a culture oh, yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah, for sure. I think, I, I mean, I think it's going to do, do gangbusters at the box office because yeah, there's, there's an audience that is desperately wanting something like that. So what movies, uh, what other movies in 2017 were you digging? Uh, hmm. Oh, there were a lot of good ones. Um, Oh, let's, let me see if I still have my my list. Yeah, um, the list. Yeah, I loved I loved Get Out. Um, what would you okay? Uh, what did you think more specifically of the the new Star Wars? Okay, because a All lot right. of people a lot of people are hating on it, and I thought I found I found it okay. You know, like it was fine. Like the original Star Wars for me were kind of hokey and kind of you know like and it kind of followed suit in that like you know it's kind of. Kind of has a cheesy thing going on, but it also has like a, uh, um, you know, a fun, exciting adventure to it. So I mean, I was like, it's fine. I don't know why people hate it so much, but please, uh, I want your yeah. your sense of it. No, uh, uh, I thought it was great. I, mm. I thought it was really fun and exciting. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's I think it's going to be the most important modern Star Wars movie. Because they do try to introduce new stuff um, and and continue the mythology, um, and it's it's at a point if they want to do a Star Wars movie every year for the next fifty years, which I think is what we're going to get. Mm. We got to get some new stuff in there. We got to get some new stories. You know, we can't we can't just keep telling the the original trilogy over and over again. Right. Uh, so really fun and, and just exciting yeah yeah no I, my son loved it he he was four he's four years old and he was like all about it so i mean like, well that's i mean that's great yeah yeah and and he has lightsabers and little ray doll and shit <laughs> it's, it's cool <laughs> so one well, i mean that's you know that's what they want to do is right. is create star wars for the next generation plus you know appeal to the fans of the old which Again, you know, it, if you're going to introduce new things and change things and, and stuff, you're, you're going to lose fans, and that's fine. Right. You know, but let that the original trilogy still exists. 
uh, you know, they can go back and watch that and enjoy <laughs> yeah, go it. Go live in the past, baby. Go, <laughs> go live it's back. Fine, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, I don't understand why they're just like change. I hate change. Why is everything changing? <laughs> Change is it's difficult for some people. Well, it was you know for moving me. on. Life yeah. life goes on, but uh, yeah, <laughs> whether or not you like to do Star Wars, you still have to you know wake up and breathe, I guess. Which is well, it's an option too. Is so heavy right now too that you know you're seeing how they just announced a Murphy Brown reboot. Oh, shut the fuck up! Are you serious? Murphy <laughs> Brown, like. You know, everything's getting rebooted or redone. Oh, my or re- God. There's – it's it's incredible to me with so much so much content, so many different mediums out there. Uh, and you, the, big, the big money, the big studios are still investing in stuff that they think is, is uh, surefire. And nobody – you know the the people with money aren't taking risks right now, and that's mm. yeah. In, in, in the long run, it's going to bite them in the ass. Yeah, and you know what's interesting though? That's like the biggest. I mean, like it seems like because um, I mean, this is a mostly music podcast, so I talk a lot about music. But I've had, I love having comedians on. I I don't know comedians oh, and musicians share some kind of weird sensibility that I, I can't. Well, I mean, you know the the joke about you know every comedian yeah. wants to be a, a rock star, right? And every and every musician wants to be a comedian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want I wanted to be a comic too, and. <laughs> And I just I don't have the balls for it. It's just like I just don't have the balls to take that kind of rejection. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? it it can be hard. Uh, I think stand up especially is you're putting yourself a lot more out there, and and it's a lot harder, right, uh, to find an audience that's that's gonna give you um, that's gonna sort of be patient with you and 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 follow you on the journey like there's this expectation of stand-up um that i I don't know i think other comic audiences are a lot more supportive like i said i i do mostly improv Mm. and in improv typically you know you have uh other people playing with you um you know there's there's four or five or eight other yeah. people on stage with you yeah it's and like a band audience. you got it's almost like a band you got, yeah you got other oh, people to fall sure. back on and you're not the only one out there just eating shit yeah and the, and the audience is a lot more supportive because there's this expectation that you're you're making it up as you go so when it hits it's like what how did they come up with that and when it doesn't it's like oh well you know it, they're trying <laughs> yeah it's I love it. Uh, you know, improv, they, they call it a failure-based art form. Um, mm. You know, so you're encouraged to fail. You're encouraged to make mistakes. And uh, stand-up, you can't really do that. You can't right. really... Yeah, I mean, mista- like, failing in mistakes is, like, a crushing blow because, like, you're just talking to, a <laughs> like, dead eyes. Just a bunch of China yeah. doll eyes staring at you like, why? Judging how awful you are and wanting you to leave. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot harder, and and I think it's equally important because you got to learn what's funny and what's not, and right. what works and what doesn't. But 
but learning what doesn't is oh man it's painful <laughs> so so you uh, have you so do you do stand up or you just you kind of dabble or, or are you just mostly just improv uh i just stand up yeah oh, okay uh in, in 2011 um i won uh idaho's championship of comedy and that was stand up oh, um right. yeah i mean it, it it sounds more impressive than it was. <laughs> but no, that's still uh, accolades that you can put on your resume. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I did that. I, I have a hard time doing uh, open mic nights. So I, mm. think, I think some other comedians judge that, um, uh, you know, yeah. because uh, I, I, I don't like testing my stuff in front of audiences. I like to – I would rather workshop it with – other comedians and then put it in front of an audience mm. um which isn't really how stand-up is done like right. stand-up there's this expectation of grinding open mic nights till you have your hour or whatever right and that's that's hard for me um but i you know i'll still do it i'll yeah i'll still do um it's just it's hard to do the open mic nights because it's you don't really have an audience of people that's not other comedians so yeah. it's it's i think it's really hard to test that material um that way but i i can see but, that it, 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 it kind of like placates to your writer sensibility where you're like you're you're a writer like you're in a writer's room and yeah you're, you're like bouncing ideas off of other people and getting ideas oh yeah i much prefer it. i yeah, I would much rather like go into a room with four or five people that you know I I know we're funny and that I trust their comedic sensibility and I I'm like, oh, what do you think of this idea? You know, oh, okay, well, what if we do that with it? Like to me, that's for for me and just my comedic sensibility, that's way more productive than than the open mic night grind. But you know, I get I get that that works for some people and and with stand up you don't usually have that sort of support network. Uh, so I, I get how valuable that can be. It's just, it just do, it doesn't really work for me. And yeah, so I think other standups might, might consider me more of a hobby comic or whatever, but I, you know, I don't care. Yeah. I, I don't, you can't really invest too much time in what other people think of you. Yeah. And, and, and also like, especially getting by, like it's hard to get by as a stand up but like if you have but if you're like do stand up and if you're doing improv and you're doing writing and you you know you're doing you got your foot in all these doors and i know there's purist stand up where there's like no you just do this and that's how you yeah. become great and then you'll be up there with Carlin and Hicks and you know and it's like well you know that that's that's for some people but for some other people who want like I don't know, maybe to get paid, <laughs> like they might <laughs> want to, you know, expand their horizons and, and see a little bit further. Um, I really like this comic named Greg Fitzsimmons. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He, because uh, he's like a writer, he's a well-established writer, and he's also a stand-up comedian who does, you know, like he, he makes a living doing both, but like, I, I just like that idea that there's comedians out there doing more than one thing. It's just like, I, I could never... well. It's just for me. I, I mean, it's hard. It, I, I relate to that more. I suppose. Yeah, I, and, and I mean, if you really look at it, all the stand-up greats do that. Mm. Like, you know, you know, a lot. Uh, most of the the people who we consider the greatest stand-ups, 
um, in this generation. I mean, it was it was a little different in the seventies with Carlin and Pryor, right. um, you know, getting that giant special or that record was was the goal. But now, stand up is is a means to an end. You know, it's it's a way to get on SNL or it's a way to get your own TV show. You, you know, like as problematic as Louis C.K. might be right now, <laughs> right. Uh, you can't deny his influence on the comedy world. Yeah, totally, uh, man. I, I mean, I you know, setting his actions aside, you cannot deny that for a time, for the last five or six years, he was the best stand-up comedian. For sure. Uh, and he was and, an excellent writer. Exactly. And he had been writing and directing... Uh, you know, sketches and TV shows uh, for decades. Right. He, you know, he didn't get that good just from doing stand-up. Right. Uh, and and a lot of them don't. So I I, I do, you know. I, again, I don't want to shit on anybody. Uh, you know, the purists have their method. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, if that works for you, do it. Do it. Um, but you know, my method seems to work for me. So. Uh, you know, yeah, that's fine. I, I don't know. I I act like people are talking shit about me, and I I don't know that. I've never heard it, so it it's just be. sort of this <laughs> like perception of uh, I don't know. But no, but but you're right because if you listen to any comedic podcast or any like you hear these different uh, ideas from different comics or, or or even talking to other comics in general. Just from my experience, my my little to no experience talking <laughs> to the comics that I do know. You know, you get an idea of how they look at what's the right way. And the reality is there's no fucking right way. There's no, yeah. No the right reality is the, you just, the right way is whatever gets you yeah, your next You just day. jump in head first and hopefully there's a pool down there and not a fucking cement sidewalk. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we're all just trying to figure this shit out. And right. and, and at the end of the day, you, you know, it it's like... Does it even matter? You know, yeah. it, there's so many. And, and this is the thing that I say, because um, I also, you know, I'll, I teach improv, I coach improv. And th- this is the thing I like to tell them is, uh, you know, comedy doesn't need you. <laughs> and and I, think, I think that's sort of the expectation that some comics have is like, oh, I'm going to be this revolutionary new voice or, or whatever. Uh, and you know maybe maybe not all of them, um, you know. But it's it's so much better if you just try to make yourself laugh. Yeah, what's funny to you, and maybe it's funny. Yeah, to don't else. don't try to be important. Just try to be funny. <laughs> important, like I have everything I say has to be very important and, and fucking change the world and create the next revolution. Oh yeah. man, if you if you ever want to, uh, <laughs> there's some like. I go I go on like the stand up Reddit threads. Oh, sweet. And, and uh there's some pretty entertaining stuff on there and it, you know it's always from like I I see these posts a lot where it's like these new comedians are like uh you know I just uh is it okay for me to talk about stuff that's important uh, or, or or you know I I noticed that like the broad sex jokes go better, but that's not what I want to talk about. And yeah. and I'm like, you're you're overthinking the hell out of yeah. it. Just it's just like just go up there and get those laughs, son. 
Yeah. Um, so you are from Idaho, I take it then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, from Idaho originally. I lived there. Um, what city? 2015. What city? Uh, Pocatello. Ooh, Pocatello. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not. It's tiny. Uh, yeah. I think it's like the third biggest city in Idaho, though. I mean, I mean, most people know Boise. Yeah, that's the only one I know. Yeah, <laughs> some people know Idaho Falls. It's it's growing pretty big, but um, Pocatello, we you know, it's right there on the Utah border, kind of. Oh, okay. Um, so we, we were like two and a half hours from Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. Um, so it's it's a little closer, and I think culturally, um, it's pretty reflective of the the Utah culture as well. So like Mormons and oh yeah, and like hot <laughs> yeah. summers. <laughs> yeah, hot summers, cold snow, winter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I love I love um, Salt Lake City is cool. I like Salt Lake City. Like it, 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 the people are very nice. I don't know. Like Utah's been nothing but nice people to me. When I play there, like they're very receptive and. I like yeah, it. no. Salt Lake is is sort of like a a strange bastion of sanity <laughs> in a wasteland of crazy nonsense. Perfect. <laughs> but so so that kind of reflects uh, what your little town was. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's very conservative. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's. It, I mean, it was big enough to be considered a. a city uh but with the very you know sort of rural mentality yeah no i get the same thing i just recently moved back to toledo ohio and oh okay and that's where i'm at right now which i did not want to move back here but i i'm here um (laughs) uh coming from san diego for 11 years i've been in san diego but now i'm back here and it's just sort of flipping my brain into fucking what what brought you back there um my wife wasn't happy like in san diego she's from san diego so she doesn't really care about the sunshine and like (laughs) opportunities to make a living off art she's she did that yeah so she uh she uh she wasn't happy and our original plan was go to detroit and because she's a musician, I'm a musician. We're like, okay, well then let's just go to Detroit. It's close enough to my family where we'll have some kind of support. Mm. Um, but I told her Detroit sucks. She, yeah, I she, mean it's she's never perpetually been, on fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's never been there. And where Toledo is is about forty minutes south of Detroit. So I, I've played there. I've been up there. I partied there. Like you know, I know what Detroit is. Mm-hmm. She she didn't want to hear that. So we went to Detroit. Found out that you know the neighborhoods that we're looking to buy a house in was looked like, you know, fucking a war zone and yeah. the blight was out of unreal. And she was just like, Oh, I hate Detroit. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so I guess we're living in Toledo now. So now I'm here and um, that's how I'm back here. But Toledo ha- holds that same, like um, it's big enough for a city, you know, it's like maybe like yeah. five, maybe 500,000 people, maybe, but like, oh, it's man, still- that's, it still has a rural mentality, definitely. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, Pocatello, I think it's capped at 50,000 people. Oh, wow. And so yeah. you were able to find sort of like your way in an improv community there? Uh, you Well, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's this troupe there called The Comedy Project, and uh, it existed uh, before me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, it, you know... 
sort of like a college team, like, a, you know, a bunch of friends in college age um, got together and started doing this. And then I, I joined up with them. And I mean, you know, they've been going for a couple of years, but they were still kind of figuring out who they were. Um, and through that, I, I mean, we became the comedy scene ah. in, in Pocatel. Like there isn't a comedy scene. There's there's nowhere to see stand up or improv there. So, you know, so it's, you know, every once in a while you might get a comedian that tours the college. But mm. even that. It could, because because it's so sort of culturally culturally repressed, uh, it, it's really hard to bring in arts and entertainment. Um, there's not really any way to do that. So you know, there's like a a, a nice community theater scene there, um, but nothing really as far as comedy goes. So they, these guys were the the only people in town. Um, so I joined up with them, and. You know, through that, I got to perform improv comedy every Friday night for eight years. Oh wow! So you Which, got you got a good you got a good foundation, and you put in a lot of time with this troupe. Yeah, yeah, and that's I I mean I think that's one of the big differences with you know coming to a city where there is some level of competition. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really hard to find. Um that amount of opportunity to learn your chops and to grow and to, to test things. Yeah. Um, that's what, that's what, you know, that's I, what's so interesting about it is like, you're such in like this like rural area where like, you know, maybe culturally within the city, it might not be as accepting of it or, and then, but you're still able to sort of find your legs there. But, and, yeah. then, and then to come to San Diego and you said 2015, and uh -huh. you are already teaching improv troops or students, and you're you know you're doing that sh the late night show, late night San Diego, and and you're doing yeah, it's a, it's a night in San Diego tonight. I'm yeah. sorry, it's, no, I've okay. had Jesse on the show like several times, and Meryl's <laughs> wonderful. I I still can't get the show right. So. Uh, a lot of people can't. It's you are not alone. Don't worry all about right. it. I am not offended at all. Okay, good. I just, I just want to make sure if anyone's listening and they want to check it out, you know. Yeah, tonight in San Diego, it's funny. Like you guys, like I, I that um, I, I saw you guys did a uh, Star Wars thing, right, with Jack Jack Grubb. Was that yeah. you guys? Yeah, you guys did the and like the. Well, that was all our our former producer Natalie. Uh, mm. She wrote it. She directed it. Um, I mean, she had to she had to move um, because her husband got a, a job opportunity. Um, but me and she was she was a, a powerhouse producer on the show. That was one of uh, th that was a lot of people's favorite one of our favorite things we've done on the show. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was funny and like you know the graphics were 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 good too, just for what it was. And you know I know you guys aren't really dealing with a huge budget over there. Oh, so we're like, dealing with a non-existent. Yeah, budget. exactly. Dealing with a negative budget. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's like it's really interesting that you guys were able to build it and build it to a thing where people come and come and see it. Like they want, you know, you got a theater and people are there to see the show. It's, it, to that's incredible. And yeah, no, it's it's been really cool, and and through it, I've got to meet a lot of cool people and do a lot of cool shit. That's that's like, you know, like sometimes it gets frustrating. Sometimes it gets 
old. You, you know, the grind gets to you. Um, and, you know, there are nights when there's no audience, but there are nights when it's packed to the, the brim. Um, right. and, and, and it's just like taking that moment of like reflection of, of everything the show has done for me. If I sit and think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was cool. Like, I got to uh, meet a, a live wolf. Um, it, it ate cheese from my mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, like that's insane. Uh, I got to feed. Uh, I literally got to feed lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! Like up close, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Like up close, and personal. Um, I got to meet one of the creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like you know, one of my lifelong heroes. Like. <laughs> It's it's insane, uh, you know how much cool stuff I've gotten to do with the show. I've gotten to eat food prepared by multiple Master Chef winners. Yeah. So you know, like, it, it all depends on your perspective. No, totally, you know, man. Totally. It, we, we, in this day and age, when content is everywhere and available, it's it's easy to think like, well, you know. We don't have the views of that or, or whatever, so it's, you know, this isn't a big deal. And, and, and you know, on some level, it's not. Uh, you know, you want to keep yourself grounded, too. Right. Um, you know, like, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a big deal or anything, but, uh, you know, when I think about all the cool stuff I've gotten to do, there's more cool stuff than bad stuff. So at the yeah. end of the day, uh, you know, I... I you know, we get to work on this show and do s- silly stuff, and very rarely do people tell me, "No, you can't do that," or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, there, there's kind of a freedom to the scale of it as well. Yeah, totally, man. I, I, um, I feel the same way about like this podcast. I, I'm like a hundred and I don't know, twelve episodes deep or something. Uh-huh. And there's some times where I'm just like, oh, why am I even doing this shit? And <laughs> but like the just being able to talk to some of the people I've that I have been and, and and it always amazes me when people are like, Oh sure I'll do that. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. Uh, but like I've gotten to talk to like Grammy winners. I've gotten to talk to nice um, people who work directly like in, on the on uh, Snoop Snoop Dogg's album, uh, Doggy Style. Nice. You know, like like it just just being able to talk to people and getting people get the idea of what like a musician's journey is or what a comedian's journey is. Like that's priceless. And then some of the people I talk to, I work with now. Like I'll network with them, and like so so it's oh just, yeah. Like podcasting for me has been just like this, and plus like I'm able to hold a conversation with people and and actually have an engaging conversation with people. Yeah, and it, it just taught me so much about myself and and uh, you know just built I don't know perspective and and I'm thankful for that, man. I I can see. Oh yeah, can... well I think I think the more like. I think the, the, the times being so weird as they are right now, I think you see people at the end of the day, they want to connect with other people. Yeah. They, they, they want, you know, there's so much content and apps and, and sort of uh, uh, distractions and, and artifice that we're able to adapt our world to 
at the end of the day, yeah, it is nice to be able to just like talk to someone and like connect on that human level. Yeah. And I think you see that. I think that's sort of the reason why Facebook and Twitter exist is that that need for connection and humor and interaction. And and I, you know, I think most of the time technology does kind of fail us in that sense. Right. In, in that, you know, I, I think we're finding new ways to to sort of connect and, and dig deeper. And and that, yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, man. So, did you grow up in, um, I don't know, did you grow up in a, in a funny household? Like, what drew you to com- com- uh, comedy? <sighs> oh, that's a good question. I, you know, I don't know that I've ever really thought about it. Like, uh, you know, my dad was always really funny, but in a dorky dad way. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and and, but it wasn't like, I didn't really grow up in a family of performers, I think I had that, you know, I was the youngest child, so I had that youngest child thing of like the parents, my parents kind of already had the hard stuff figured out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I had it pretty easy growing up Um, and, you know, that need for attention as the third kid and stuff probably led me to, to joke around a little bit more, but I don't know. I just, I loved, you know, I loved joking around and laughing. And, and like, growing up, my favorite shows were like The Simpsons and Saturday Night Live. And, and that, yeah, I think that really influenced me on like, you know, I just really enjoyed watching stuff that made me happy and made me laugh. And, and I, I don't know. I don't think there was like this inherent thing to to become a comedian. I, I you know, like I went to school for theater um, because I wanted to act, um, and I, you know, I'm okay at that. I was I was all right. Um, it wasn't until I started doing improv though that it really clicked. Yeah. Um, and that I was like, oh no, like like I want. I don't want to be an actor. I want. To, I want to make people react to stuff. Um, so I don't like I don't care what the reaction is. Um, and that's sort of my philosophy with comedy too is like, yeah, laughs are great. you know laughs are sort of the the high bar. Um, but I love groans. I love oh no I, you know I, any kind of reaction to me is entertaining. Um, it's when there's silence. Yeah. When it's just like there's nothing that I'm like, oh no, this is not good. Um, but you know, <laughs> I would I would prefer people groaning and booing and and heckling to just silence. Yeah. Silence means they're not engaged. They don't right. care. Um, if you know people are, if you're making people mad, at least they're engaged. Right. They're paying attention. Yeah. I I I would um I used to read the bad emails from the show. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> because I mean there was this one woman who like <clears throat> cuz the shows used to be like two and a half hours long and sometimes they still go that long if it's an engaging <laughs> conversation but like back when I first started it would just be like two and a half hours long just of us just making just being stupid but yeah. um I had this one woman who who like clearly listened to like the entire show 
just to be angry <laughs> and like was marking not like time but like you can tell that she was listening to the whole thing because she was bringing up specific points from that show almost uh-huh. all the way to the end and i'm just sitting there i'm reading this 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 whole email and it's like <laughs> wow this woman is like seriously engaged with the show but just like <laughs> angry about it and yeah i love that i love that <laughs> i, I leaned too. into that i'm like right Okay, I'm making you angry, so I win. Right. I've already won. I got there, you. Like, man. there's nothing. And you know, if you try to think of it at like, oh, I need to turn them over to to like you or whatever. No, no, just you've already won. Now you can just play with them. Yeah. And they're just gonna get more mad, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, let them be angry, man. This, oh, yeah, this let is... me affect your emotions yeah please give me that power for sure i love it so you uh so what what was like so like i'll talk about like breaking into new scenes and stuff with musicians Uh uh sometimes you relocate like me personally right now i'm trying to like break into the scene of toledo music and trying to work again because i was working regularly in san diego and Uh um so now i'm trying to do the same thing here but it's so weird breaking into scenes because people have their people for musicians, yeah. I should say. People have their network of musicians who they're going to no, call. No, it's the same with comedy, yeah. Right. So, so what 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 was some of the I don't know tactics, I guess, of you coming on to the San Diego scene, which was so much broader and so much you know bigger than what you were used to, and how did you kind of break into it and and kind of make your way to like head writer of Tonight in San Diego <laughs> and stuff. Well, you know, I I don't know that I really have. <laughs> no, I know, but but I'm uh, just I, I saying, mean, like, like, it's still like you're able. You found like work teaching kids or teaching improv, and you kind of yeah. You know, you're doing you're doing stuff that you're interested in, and yeah, whether yeah. or not you're able to make a living in San Diego doing it, um, that's another thing. But like, <laughs> um, but you're still doing some the stuff that you enjoy doing. And yeah. you still had to come and figure out how to get into those where you're at now. And, and it's not like you're not working with like super talented people. Like tonight in San Diego, you're working with oh, yeah. like a crew of really talented people who are doing their own things other than that, too. So, so like, how do you? Yeah, start and your... I, I think that was one of the big. I, I mean, honestly, that was tonight in San Diego has been huge in, in all of this. Um, and I got that. Uh, just from a Craigslist ad. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like they were looking for um, just staff writers at the time. Oh, wow. So I submitted a writer's packet. They brought me on. Um, I had a lot of fun. You know, at the time, I was just a writer. Um, and then after about a year, the, the head writer left and um, the host of the show left. And Jesse at the time was the co-host. So when the host left, they had auditions for a new host. So I auditioned to become the new host Mm. um, along with Jesse, along with a few other people. Um, And and they brought Jesse up to be the host. And and I think they they made the right call and and they did a a great job with that. And I think Jesse's been a, a fantastic host. And so... When he moved over from the host, from the co-host to the host, they needed a new co-host. 
Um, and so they brought me on uh, as that, even though I auditioned for the host, like, you know, I did good enough with my audition and, you know, they still wanted to keep me as a part of the show and everything. So, um, so when I became the co-host, I also took over as the head writer for the segment team. Um, and it, it just, it just, it, you know, it all just kind of made sense. Mm. Um uh, because you know when I when I was brought on, I just sort of dug my heels in, and um, I'm sort of a serial committer. Uh, <laughs> like when I, I'm I'm hesitant about the projects I work on, because I know that I won't do much else. Right. Um, yeah. So. Well, yeah. Your time is precious. And... Yeah, and what's? Yeah, I just don't have enough of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like you know to to. Yeah, so, but if I'm involved in a project, I want to do it, you know, I want to do it right. Um, so, you know, a big part of it was just, like, finding stuff I, I wasn't into doing, you know, like like I said, I'm not that into doing open mics. So, I, I you know, if you're going to grind open mics, you got to do that every night of the week, pretty much, right. um, to get noticed doing that. So, I learned that that wasn't something I was really into. Um, the improv scene here is is fine, um, you know, but uh, there's some things I don't like about how it's done. And going from, you know, basically running my own theater in Pocatello to San Diego where it's like fighting for stage time once a month, you know, is, is hard. So I didn't dig in too much to that either. You know, because it, it, that sort of felt like starting from scratch. Right. That that felt like, you know, I, I I'm not gonna take classes here. Uh, <laughs> in in and I don't mean that to shit on the quality no, of their no, classes. No. I mean that as like, you know, I I yeah, I'm self taught. Uh, <laughs> but you've done and, your and time think, in a sense. You've done you you've done your time you've done your stage work exactly like, you have exactly. a good sense of what your comic comedic sensibility is you can kind of navigate through it so, yeah i get you yeah yeah so i can't really start over from a 101 class of like this is what improv is I, i'm like <laughs> i i think that's valuable for people who who haven't done it but i just couldn't so tonight in san diego was was a you know that was like my thing to dig into and it was it's just through, you know, a random answering an ad. Goddamn yeah. Craigslist! It's always Craigslist. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, That's it's. Cool. I mean, it, so so you so when you're teaching improv though, like how how did you come across that gig? Um, don't say Craigslist. That was <laughs> no. So there's this one theater in town. Um, uh, it was called side stage improv and now they're old town improv company oh okay jack jack was there too right yeah yeah and um they used to do this like kind of improv open house thing mm -hmm. um and so i just went to that and um and i just sort of connected with some of the guys who who ran that theater um and uh, uh mike mcfarland and charles weber um, and, and I think, I, I don't know, we just had a, a similar philosophy when it came to improv. Mm. Um, and 
you know, that when they moved over to, to Old Town Improv Company, they needed some more teachers. Um, and, you know, even though I hadn't done done classes, even though I hadn't learned improv through them, um, like I said, uh, just through just through hanging out and conversation and stuff, uh, uh, we just learned we had a pretty similar philosophy. So he asked if I want to teach some classes. So I kind of would just teach classes whenever I could. Um, and now uh, there's a team uh, that that I started coaching. Um, so classes and coaching are sort of two different things. Um, classes are like there's a, a whole bunch of random people who are are coming to this to sort of broaden their improv tool set. Whereas coaching is like an individual troupe hires you specifically to watch them do their thing and, and help them grow their show in the best way possible. So coaching is a lot more specific. Mm. Um, and, and I think I'm, I think I'm probably a little better at that. Um, actually teaching classes, you have to be a little broader because um, it's it's a more diverse group of people that you're going to get. It's a more, uh, you know, just people with all sorts of different backgrounds and stuff. Whereas uh, a, a specific team that you're coaching, uh, they, they all sort of have a common philosophy or, or, you know, idea of what they want the show to be. And so you can get a little more specific and just dig in a little deeper with that. Right on. So, what do you think? Because I've been thinking about doing improv only just. Be, my wife start. My wife. My wife. Um, since we've come to Toledo, she's gotten into the uh, community theater, uh-huh. and they love her. And I. I. I mean, like, I, I think a, a. Not all of it. She is talented, but like, I think some of it has to do with the, the fact that she's black and that they don't see a lot of black people in their theater groups so. i mean right now specifically that's gonna help oh yeah you know, oh a- yeah anything you can do to stand out right, <laughs> right for sure and, and and it helps and um and i i kind of wanted to get in acting but like i was like you know what like acting to me is kind of a little too uh, hoity-toity which sounds really <laughs> stupid but to me it's just it, like it can be um but like improv seems cool so like i'm thinking about doing it but like just for people listening, what what do you think of the benefits of, of improv is um I don't know, just for someone's personality, just for someone especially someone who might be a little introspective. Uh-huh. Um I think it depends. Yeah. Uh, it, with my experience with improv is you get out of it what you put into it. Mm. And you know, when I came to improv, it, it was it was meant as a performance opportunity because at the time I was in theater school. So I, I wanted to do more theater. And then through that, I learned that I wanted to be a comedian. So, I, you know, I do improv specifically to keep me sharp, to, to help me become a better comedian. Hmm. Um, and I think it's helped a lot. Um, I think... This might be a little controversial, <laughs> but I think that there is sort of this mindset in improv right now that is it's very community driven, um, especially the smaller theaters, sort of the indie improv scene is it, very much about the community. And and I think that's great. You know, don't get me wrong. I think that 
you will meet some of the best friends of your life doing improv. Um, and that's awesome. And, and for people who are introverted, uh, you know, it can help. Um, it can help that in, in improv can be therapeutic. Um, it's, it's not therapy though. <laughs> and I think, I think some people have a hard time making that distinction because, you know, it's a lot funner than therapy. So, you know, I, I think people are more apt to, to try and deal with their demons in a way that's fun and, and, uh, pleasant than, you know, than, actually using therapy or whatever so i i think there is i think it's just a matter of like what you want to get out of it and and researching what theater is going to give you that because there's so many different improv schools and and uh philosophies and each of them is going to focus on certain things like um I'm, i'm taking classes at ucb because UCB focuses on improv as comedy, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of other schools focus on improv as theater hmm. um, and, and how to, to help you listen better and be more in the moment. Uh, so, you know, I think, it just, I think it just depends on what you would personally want to get out of it. Um, it is sort of... And that will sort of inform where you go from there. Oh, that's cool. So, so are you making the trek up to LA then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, every once in a while, um, I just signed up for two hundred one, which again is really hard for me. <laughs> oh. Um, oh yeah, yeah, because you kind of already got your footing down. Yeah, I, so I took I took one hundred one when I first moved here, um, and it, I mean it was good and and. Doing that, you also kind of have to come into it with no ego. Right. Um, you know, like I said, comedy doesn't need you. Uh, so if you ever get the idea of, like, you're better than this, that's dangerous. Um, you know, so I try to go into it with no ego, um, you know, and, and I still got stuff out of it. Uh, so I, I, I'm sure with 201 will be the same thing. Uh, yeah. You know, UCB I am largely taking for my resume. <laughs> um, gotcha. Because it stands out a little bit more than some of the other theaters. And again, I just I tend to agree with their uh, their improv philosophy. And, and you know, I, again, it's going to help me become funnier and, and better on stage so why not do it yeah. uh, you know it, i mean it is expensive but well, are in the, the long it's an investment yeah totally. um are the classes, yeah, so, oh i'm so sorry please oh no continue. no what, what were you gonna say i was gonna say how uh, how big are the classes generally um it depends I, again i uh i i think around 16 students oh, okay. is is usually pretty normal um, you wouldn't want to get more than that, just because even sixteen, uh, it it gets a little harder to focus on individual students. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I pictured it as this big lecture hall, like like at Harvard. <laughs> they're like, you know, here's a prep fall. Hey, no, no, it's it's more like uh, ten assholes in a dance studio, and all, everyone wants to be the funniest. Right. I, okay, <laughs> I got you there. <laughs> Nice. That sounds fun. Well, yeah. Um, Keith, where can people find your podcast and you know all the things, all the endeavors that you're doing? Do you have a website? Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, my website's uh, www.keithfosterkid.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Keith Foster Kid. Um, uh, you can check out our podcast, The Jabber and the Drone. Um, go to jabberandthedrone.podbean.com. Um, and again, all there's links to all of this on my website, keithfosterkid.com. Um, same with Tonight in San Diego. Check out tonightinsandiego.com, um, YouTube Tonight in San Diego, no, Facebook. No. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm I I I'm gonna stop stepping on you, please. What's the Facebook? No, you're good. You're good. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah, okay. it's night in San Diego. Uh, Jabberinthedroden.podbean.com. Uh, KeithFosterKid.com. Um, if you want, you know, uh, you can contact me on the the website or Twitter or whatever. If you are interested in improv or or you know hiring me as a coach, hey. um, yeah, always check that out. Um, when will this come out? Because I do have some shows coming up. Oh, okay. So probably in, let's see, there is one more, probably like two weeks. Okay, okay. Two, two think, to three I weeks. think most of my shows will be done by then. Oh, so I'm sorry. That's all. No, that's all good. <laughs> I'll, I'll have more coming up. Um, so yeah, follow okay. me on Twitter and check out my website for those. Cool. And, and then I was going to ask a stupid question. That's what I had to step on your... <laughs> No, Facebook you're fine. Thing. Are you Jabber or the Drone? <laughs> uh, I've been asking that question on the podcast. Uh, for, so <laughs> that podcast, uh, originally it was um, my two friends started it, Cassidy and Richard. Um, and then Richard got, uh, he had a kid and he got busy with other life stuff. So he kind of had to bow out. Um, you know, it's just, it was too much of a time and, and money commitment um, to, to do for free. Yeah. Uh, and I get that. Uh, so he, he left and then, um, I've been friends with both of them since grade school. So, um, you know, I, I sort of took over for Richard. I've been doing it for, uh, the past year or so. And, and that was my stupid joke. I would ask that at the, the beginning of every episode. I'm like, am I the jabber or the drone? <laughs> uh, and I've never gotten an answer. Okay. Well, fair enough. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully I, I, you figure that out. And uh, I think we're both jabbers because we both t- like talk way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, brother. Well, Keith, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending uh, part of your Sunday with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Keith Foster, ladies and gentlemen, what a gent. Anyways, <clears throat> I hope you enjoyed the show this week. I hope you enjoyed the new intro song. Maybe I'll keep that as a intro for a few episodes. Just because I really like, I thought I farted, but I shit. And I've been there. I used to be drunk all the time. You know, those day after a hard night of drinking shits are... Are, are, are not are nothing to write home about and you know you have you have issues you have problems you shart it happens you, you i'm a fucking adult okay i'm a fucking adult and i've sharted all right write the show at we speak english good doc write the show at we speak english good at gmail.com we speak english good.net the website leave a review on stitcher and all those things anyways Be good to your fellow human beings. H.J.'s for everybody. Bye.